Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you and we ask that you would be with us as we investigate your word. Lord, that you would help us to lay aside the burdens of of this life and the cares and concerns. And Lord, even though the passages we are studying right now are very difficult, we pray that we would still see your grace and mercy even in the midst of judgment. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles. If you need an outline, wave your hand. I think Peter might have a few more. Uh, We're going to, um, as we discussed in the past, we're we're going to keep pressing on through the book of Revelation and get a, uh, finish the description that is here. Uh, We are coming upon the great pause in in the book of Revelation. Uh, We just finished chapter uh, seven, which was one of those pauses as he gives us more information, and then uh, we get into chapter ten, and uh, we're going to be told that the seventh, uh, uh, the seventh and the last uh, angel is going to begin to sound the trumpet, and then we really don't pick up uh, what happens in scope until we get all the way down. To chapter 16, and chapters 15 and 16 are actually describing that seventh in the trumpet or the third woe. And we're just going to start reading in eight, chapter 8, verse 13. It says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by the reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. So if you'll remember, we had the seven seals. When the seventh seal was broken on the book, then we have the seven trumpets. And the last three of these seven trumpets are what the Bible calls the woes. And when God says, woe unto you, Uh, you're just in deep trouble. And some of the things described here in chapter 9 have given rise to some of the most fantastic commentary ever invented by mankind. Uh, And uh, we're going to try not to tread on such dangerous territory. Uh, As we have seen with the first four of these trumpets... There, there is no need for us to run into uh, the realm of the metaphysical or extraordinary. Uh, we can understand how a mountain of burning fire could fall upon the sea and cause great destruction. How a lamp, a star as a lamp burning would fall from heaven and make water bitter and anybody tasting the water or having contact with the water to be poisoned by it. That, that's not a... We're, we're not stretching to see and understand those things. Most of us have grown up with the reality of these things. We studied uh, what could happen in case of a, of a nuclear war and all of these things. And I'm not saying that God has to use those things, but... It's not within the realm, it is within the realm of reality to see these things as described in the scripture. But there is uh, nothing 
in the realm of reality that will prepare you for chapter 9. Uh, I've, I've heard these things described in, in fantastic ways, but let's just read through here. It says, And the fifth angel sounded, verse 1 of chapter 9, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now we're going to stop in verse 1 and pick up a few things here. As we understand our scriptures... We have to be careful because we go to chapter uh, 8 here. The fourth angel uh, uh, sound, or yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Chapter, verse 10 of chapter 8, the third angel sounds and it says, And there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And it gives us the name of the star as wormwood, which just means bitterness. It's a group of a plant. And where they get the Chernobyl idea and the wormwood is the wormwood and the Chernobyl. Uh, the, the Russian word is talking about a series of bitter plants, not the exact same plant. But uh, it, the word basically means extremely bitter plant type. And so... Uh, I don't know that I would really want to run that one uh, as far as other people have, but the idea is that this star falls, and it's referred to as it here. It's given a name of a plant, wormwood, and we come here to verse 1 of chapter 9, and we see another star falling from heaven, but... It uses the personal pronoun, him. Now, this is just one of the things that as we read our Bible, we have to be careful because the same word can be used in different ways. Let me give you a humorous illustration. If you have a red Bible, will you please hold it up? My Bible is red. It's not red letter. You see, I read it. Ah, you see, you were thinking about the color red. Now, how many of you have a red Bible? Will you please hold it up? Oh, that's much better. I was getting worried there for a while. Um, But you see, and that's that's an old preacher's joke, forgive me, but uh, I got most of you. The simple truth of the matter is, am I not using the same word or a word that sounds the same? I'm using it in a different way. It's common in languages. And so as this idea of a star is used, you have to remember something. John is describing what he is seeing. Now, if you saw this bright light, Falling from heaven, and all of a sudden it explodes. What would you call it? A star? If you saw this bright light falling from heaven again, what would you call it? Well, it looked like a star. It didn't do the same thing as the other star did. This star had an identity 
Uh, it was a hymn. And unto him was given something, the key of the bottomless pit. Now, having this key is, oh, I'm going to do it, is key to understanding who the angel is. Forgive me. Go to Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now, it says here that a star fell from heaven and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. We go to Revelation chapter 20 and John says, I see a great angel. He has the key in one hand and in the other hand he has a great chain. And let's go ahead and read what this angel does because that's one of my favorite parts of the Bible here. Revelation chapter 20 verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So we see here in verse 1, if we'll just do a little comparison in the scriptures, that as this fifth angel sounds, the fifth trumpet blows, he says a star falls from heaven. The idea of falling from heaven is just simply direction. I read in one commentary, it said, the star fell from heaven. It must be talking about the devil. But the devil is going to lock himself up? Uh, don't think so. This is an angel of power and authority, and he has the key to this prison, would be the best way to describe it. It's also called the deep, the same uh, word is used. It is a place where demons live. How many of you remember the story of Legion from Mark chapter 5, Luke chapter 8? One man had many, many demons living inside of him. And he responded accordingly. He lived in tombs, he didn't wear any clothes. No man could tame him until Jesus showed up. And the plea of the devils was this, don't send us out into the deep. Well, here we're going to have this open. And now you have to remember something and get, get the context. And I hope I'm not running too many directions here. Is This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what is happening here? The first chapter, we get a vision of Christ. Chapters 2 and 3, we get Christ's instruction to His church. Chapters 4 and 5, we have the worship of Christ. Then we get into the judgment of Christ and His power and His greatness. He is opening the prison door where the devil's going to end up. 
There's, we'll, when we get into this pause uh, in chapter 12, we're going to find out that uh, the devil, is going, his time is going to be shortened. He is going to lose a battle with Michael. And if, if you must try to put an identity to this angel, uh, the, the best suggestion I could give you would be Michael because he's the one that battles with the devil. He is now, the Bible calls him, the prince and the power of the air. Now, every so often, somebody will call the church or, or contact me and say, uh, uh, I think I'm possessed or somebody's put a curse on me. And I've met a few people I really wanted to believe them. Uh, uh, one guy, he said, I think I'm possessed with the devil. And I said, I have every reason to believe that you are. And uh, he said, well, 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 uh, what are we going to do? And I said, listen, if you want to get yourself out from under the authority of Satan, you have to put yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't go chasing devils. I actually had a Bible college professor he came in and told us stories. He said, I was chasing demons around my living room with a shotgun. I'm sitting here going, you know, maybe he's just trying to see how stupid we college students are. Uh, I really think that's what it was. Uh, I hope and pray that's what it was. Uh, that's, but if you think that's ridiculous, just turn on TBN. And you'll find some nutcase on there. I bind the devil. Good night. Who do you think you are? The only time the devil will ever be bound in all of history is when this mighty angel does it in Revelation chapter 20. Don't think you're going to get that accomplished. Anytime you go out to fight the devil, guess who wins? The devil does. You hide behind Jesus. That's why the armor of the Christian soldier. What does it say the soldier is supposed to do? Praying always with all supplication. Praying is one of the ways we submit ourselves to the authority of Christ. You want victory over the power of the devil. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ. I remember one time a guy trying to outline, well, if you ever run into demonic influence, this is what you do. Um, I'll tell you what, if you ever run into demonic influence, start worshiping Christ. That's what you do. Because the more attention you give to that direction, the more trouble you're going to get yourself in. Surrender yourself to Jesus. Worship him. The best identity of this angel is he is called the prince of Israel. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, it says he's going to stand up during this time of great tribulation. In Revelation chapter 12, it says that he is going to dethrone the devil. He is going to cast him out of the air. He is now called in the Bible the prince and power of the air. 
this angel falling is just the direction the angel has to go from heaven to get to the bottomless pit. He opens this door. Now, people have tried to make all kinds of things out of the bottomless pit. But it is, as far as we can tell, it's the prison that's going to hold the devil for a thousand years. As we'll find out in a minute, the devil's not the only thing that's there. And when he opens this thing, the smoke of a great furnace literally fills the earth and darkens the atmosphere. And just remember here, we go back to the fourth trumpet that sounds, and we have a third part of the day blotted out and a third part of the night blotted out. We have this uh, smoke and debris in the atmosphere, apparently, that is blotting out. And now we have more coming in, and now we get into the weird stuff. And I don't know how else to say it, but verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were faces of men, were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter." Now, how many of you know what a locust is? Big black bug. There's several different varieties. Normally, locusts eat green things. Uh, I believe it's the, the locusts that take uh, several different years. I know there's a 17-year variety that come out. It takes 17 years from the time the egg is planted in the tree for the larva to dig its way through the tree. And then you get those little uh, exoskeletons where the locust splits out and, and uh, flies around. But locust, big locust, about the size of my thumb. But it says it's got four legs like a horse with armor on. And a face like a man, 
and hair like a woman and teeth like lion's teeth. That means big fangs coming out. It sounds like something out of Hollywood now, doesn't it? Can I tell you something? The people out there go to here to find their horrible things. Let me tell you. Now, people have tried to, because it says the sound of their wings was as the sound of many horses running and the chariot wheels turning, and it said the locusts are attack helicopters that come out of a mountain and go flying all over the place. And uh, I don't do that. I, I just can't go there because it says these locusts have a king. We are, we are talking about the world of spiritual things. And let me explain one thing to you. Study the times in the Bible where angels appear to men. Where God appears to men. What's the first thing he says? Fear not. Uh, there's an awful lot of fearful things out there. And I am glad, for one, that God has limited our sight and our ability to perceive and understand these things, they have, the real locusts do not have a king. They travel by bands, but there's no control. It's not like an ant colony. These locusts answer to the angel of the bottomless pit. Apparently, we have a demon here that is in charge of what goes on in this pit. And his army is going to be released upon the people of the earth. That's why these beings will attack only those who have not been sealed by God. That's why two chapters ago, we get explained what this seal is of the Lord... God knows those people during the tribulation period, during this seven-year period that is being described, that will be saved. He has sealed them, just like he seals the Christians. He knows which ones, and he's going to protect them from some of these things, at least from this, uh, though most of the people who are sealed will be killed during the tribulation period. The Bible says they'll be killed for their faith and their uh, worship of Jesus Christ. He's given two names, and by the way, it's interesting how the Bible deals with languages. How many know what Abaddon means? It means the same thing as Apollyon. We're just given the same word in two different languages, and it means a destroyer. So the idea is these beings... And they're described, described here as having a tail like a scorpion that's segmented with the big old stinger coming out the back. They are going to answer to their king and they are going to torment the people of the earth, the men of the earth, for five months. Now, does that mean that once you get stung by one of these beings, it's going to hurt for five months? Or does it mean that the time period that they're going to sting people and torment people is going to be five months? Um, either way. Uh, I'm not sure. The Bible isn't clear. 
It seems to be more like uh, if you get stung by a scorpion, I don't claim to be an expert on that, but usually you're in absolute severe pain. It's normally not deadly, but uh, anywhere from 24 to 72 hours, and then the healing process begins to come unless you get infection setting in. Uh, it seems that it would be talking about the time period that these beings roam the earth and torment those that refuse to worship Christ. And let's put it in context here. Skip down with me to verse 20. And it says, And the rest of men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, Neither repented they of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. This is the context. You see, you're going to submit to God in this life, or it really doesn't matter what happens. Go back to the plagues of Egypt. Did it make any sense that Pharaoh should harden his heart and keep the children of Israel there all that time. Let me tell you something. Sin makes you insane. How many of you remember the way you behaved before you got saved? And it didn't matter what mom said. It didn't matter what dad said. It didn't matter what the preacher said. It didn't matter what the doctor said. It didn't matter... Uh, What God said, it didn't matter what anybody said. You made up your mind and you were going to do what you wanted to do. But praise God, there came that time when you repented. Here, during this seven-year period, things are going to be different. This is one of the reasons why we believe the church will not be here during this period of time. It's because there just doesn't seem to be the same message that we have going out today. There doesn't seem to be the same exact witness. And no matter what happens, and I put here in the notes that this cohesive force, there are no numbers given, are obeying the commands of their king who is to torment those who have refused to obey God. We don't even know if you're going to, if the people who are living here on earth are going to be able to see these things. If you go back to John chapter four, Revelation chapter 4, John was in the spirit and he was seeing things that we normally do not see. God works with angels all the time, but we rarely ever see them. He is describing these things, and by the way, there is no likeness to them of anything that we can imagine here on earth. Four legs like a horse, wings, a face like a man, A golden crest, it said like a crown, but not a crown, something similar to that. Great big fangs like a lion, big long shaggy hair, and 
a scorpion tail sticking out the back. Whew. Stuff nightmares are made out of. Only this is going to be real and the torture is going to be real. And the problem is, it says that death will be preferred, but nobody's going to get it. I had a friend back in Cleveland. He said, oh, Pete, he said, I got an ulcer. He said, you got to get better to die. And uh, he was describing what he was going through. But there are lots of things like that in this life. Verse 6 says that men will seek death and they can't find it. They're going to desire to die and it's going to flee from them. And, of course, if you actually saw one of these things flying around, I mean, it would, it would make you want, it would scare you half to death, I would think, and the sting should take care of the other half, but uh, the Bible says that's not going to happen, that the whole idea of this, the first four trumpets, is the destruction of the ecosystem, the environment of the world. Now we're going to see the destruction of mankind. Mankind that has chosen to rebel against God. And so this is the first woe. The second woe is a little simpler here. We start in verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. And I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jaseth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouth, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for... Their tails were like unto serpents which had heads, and with them they do hurt. And then we get into the passage that we've already read, that no matter what happens, people will not turn from their sin to surrender to God. Now, it's interesting, just to give you a little background here, it says the number of their army, the horsemen, was two million. 200,000, 2 million. Now, for years, people would read that and said, you see there, that proves the Bible is just speaking of unreal things and unrealistic things. There's, there's not that many people on earth. Um, 200 million, I'm sorry. Do you know in 1964, I believe was the year, it was either 64 or 68, 
the Chinese national government proclaimed that they had 200 million soldiers in their home guard. You see, the numbers that are in the Bible are real numbers. Where in the world did Adolf Hitler come from, my friend? Do you think he got there all by himself? Or that he may have had some spiritual help? Talking about demonic help. Many of the great quote-unquote, leaders of the world, Caesar and Nero especially. They were called madmen, were they not? Uh, there is absolute evidence that Adolf Hitler was a man that was insane. What normal human being would say, well, we just need to murder every living person from the German border to Moscow so that the Germans could have enough room to live? That's what he said in Mein Kampf. That's why nobody believed that he would do anything because it, it was just nonsense until the armies began moving. Then all of a sudden they realized that this man was serious. Where would he get a vision like that? I mean, man is a depraved being, but apparently there are some demons out there that help people do wicked and evil things. And there are four of these such beings that are in the bottom of the Euphrates River. And when the sixth angel sounds, the second woe, could you imagine what would happen if we have an army of 200 million soldiers marching from the east towards Jerusalem? It says that uh, on the back here, we added up 391 days and one hour. Now, you look at the time periods that are involved in these things. And we find out that this seven-year period, these two 1260-day periods the Bible talks about in the book of Daniel and referenced here in the book of Revelation, are real time periods. And the numbers begin to fit. And in this 391 days in one hour, one-third of the population of the earth is killed by this army. How does an army like that live? How much food would you need for 200 million men in a day? How long would the column be? There is no transportation that we know of that would carry an army that huge. They're going to wipe out every living thing in their path. And some of these descriptions here, it talks about their horses. Uh, have heads like lions that issue fire and smoke and have multiple tails uh, with serpent-like heads that do harm and they're wearing breastplates of fire. It says, adjacent with it's a transparent red stone 
and out of their mouths issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. Now, uh, I'm not going to try to go too far with this. Of course, these could be, again, talking about things in the demonic realm. But then again, we have a man who lived in the first century who never saw any such thing as what we see today. And as he's looking at an army of 200 million and everything is all uh, conglomerated together and he sees the fire and the smoke billowing out of the mouths of these beings, I have a whole, I don't have too much of a problem here going and because we have men sitting on these horses and they're all moving we, we could have some modern armament there, small troop carriers, cannons, mobile guns, things like this that may be described here. I'm not going to go too far out on a limb. That's just, uh, it's, it's not too hard here to, to say that he may have been seeing what we would call uh, the realm of modern warfare and mechanized armies moving. But the numbers are modern day. They're real. And if we took the population of the earth today, that would be just over 2 billion souls wiped out by this army. That's the entire population of China. But then again, you do the numbers, that's basically each guy kills 100 people. Those numbers aren't too hard to come by when you've got an army moving through, pillaging the land, and just literally sucking up everything. Now remember, a third of the trees are gone, the green grass is gone. Food supplies are in short order. There are bitter waters that if you come in contact with are going to kill you. And this army is marching through. And let me tell you what the army's first job is. Take care of itself. So we have some unbelievable... um, Death and destruction being spoken about here, unprecedented in human history, and yet not beyond the scope of our imaginations, now is it? Not beyond the scope of reality. It wouldn't be hard. I mean, it would be hard to control an army of 200 million men, but the, the numbers are there. And... The last part that we're going to stop at here is verses 20 and 21 of this chapter. It says that they repented not of the works of their hands. Man has always worshipped the works of his hands. Listen to the politicians in the, in the debates. What are they talking about? We are going to solve the health care problem. Of course, you have to vote for the bill to find out what's in the bill, right? How many remember that little statement by Nancy Pelosi? 
listen, we're going to solve all of these problems with disease. Isn't that what, the, what they say? Go back to Genesis chapter 11. We will build a tower that shall reach unto heaven so that we be not scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Man has always worshipped what he can do. The Bible says that we have a challenge to repent from what we can do, from what we can perceive, from what we can understand, and put our faith in the one and the true living God. People have often scorned that. They say, well, what about the, uh, the aborigines? They don't have a Bible. And my first question is, well, what about you? You've got one. What are you going to do with it, my friend? Before you worry about the aborigines, how about you worry about your own soul? And by the way, I'll let God take care of the aborigines. There's much more evidence in this Bible that God cares more about souls than the National Pornographic, I mean, Geographic Society. Amen? That God cares more if he stopped by Jericho to pick up Rahab. Amen? He stopped at the city of Gibeon and picked up an entire people group because they were willing to worship God. But how many of you have seen the reduction of true Christianity in our society and the esteem that Christians used to have? I mean, 50 years ago, to be a preacher was a great accomplishment. Today, ah, you're just another one of them windbags past the plate, and, you, you know, that's what people say. True Bible religion is being reduced to a smaller and smaller and smaller voice. This is where we're headed. And I I want to challenge you, if you will not surrender to the word of God today, you will join the multitude that is described in this passage that will not repent no matter what happens. It is time that we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ while we can. If I have to make a choice between trusting the best science of our day and trusting the character of God, guess where I'm going? I'm going to trust the character of God. If I have to make a choice between trusting God and trusting the politicians, do we even have to make that statement? But yet how many people are falling down and worshiping and saying, God, just give us a good president and it will all get straightened out. No, nothing's going to get straightened out in this country until God's people get straightened out. 
And the challenge for you and I today, as we look at these people, here's what they do. They expect the works of their hands are going to solve the problem. They worship devils, the Bible says. Those are the Adolf Hitlers of this world. Those are the jihadists of this world, the mass murderers, idols of gold. I mean, we can go through this thing and spend the whole night on this one passage, but we won't. How about idols of gold and silver? Wall Street? Anybody for Wall Street? Banking? All of these things? Mercantile? Brass and stone and of wood? Building and industry and factories? People worship these things, do they not? But let me tell you something. Your company isn't going to save you from the wrath of God. Your pension is not going to protect you. Your union rep will not be found on this day. But if you'll be found in God before then, you won't be among those who refuse to repent. What are you trusting in? The Bible gives us a pretty good list here. You see, the reason they won't stop worshiping their gods is because their gods allow murders, sorceries, immorality, fornication, and thievery. Now, what did I just describe? Well, it's going to be what's printed in the New York Times tomorrow, right? Murders, thievery, sorceries, fornications, and thefts. Tomorrow's news. How many are you glad you gave up that world so that you could have Christ? Amen. Amen. Here's the challenge. You repent now. Or you won't repent no matter what. That's what's the message of this passage. Even if you saw one of them flying things buzzing around and stinging you. And the torment were for five whole months. It still wouldn't stop you. When the angels came into the city of Sodom. It says it smote the men of the place with blindness. And what did they do? They wearied themselves to find the door. The angel knocked the wheels off of the chariots of Pharaoh's army. And what did they do? They drave them heavily, the Bible says. They were still continuing toward the target. Sin is madness, my friend. That's what the Bible means when it says sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. But repent and serve God and he'll make a difference in your life today. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go through these passages Lord, pray that we would be careful and 
Yet, Lord, the real underlying message here is still about the love of Christ. And one of the reasons these things are revealed to us is that we may surrender ourselves while there is time. That we would not harden ourselves in our sin or in our service of self. That we'd allow these words to generate fear in us as they ought to that we might run to the Savior instead of our own minds and our own hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Before we finish that prayer, before we say amen,